The day the world stood still. The day Tom Burnett's cell phone gave us a window into the tragic events of September 11th. A field in Pennsylvania is not just a field anymore. It's a sacred place, a place of heroes. The Al-Qaeda terrorists had taken over the cockpit and were possibly heading to the U.S. Capitol. Tom's wife told him about what happened in New York. Several put together a plan to retake the cockpit, including Todd Beamer. He called a phone operator and asked her to tell his wife and kids that he loved them in case the plane didn't land. He prayed the Lord's Prayer with her. And then she heard him ask the other passengers, You ready? Let's roll. The plane crashed outside Shanksville, Pennsylvania, what some now call a sacred place, a tribute to the heroism of those passengers. The greatest love is laying down your life for others. I see Christ in that story, don't you? Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're in a sobering series this week called 9-11, 20 years later. All week, We'll be looking back to September 11th, 2001. Can you believe it's been 20 years now? Memories are interesting, aren't they? Some things start to fade and disappear over time. But certain events are imprinted on our minds forever. Some call this phenomenon flashbulb memory, a snapshot of a moment often brought on by surprise or shock. I can tell you exactly what I was doing and where I was. I'm old enough to remember November 22, 1963. It was the day President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Move forward almost 30 years, and I can do the same for 9-11. I was in Indiana doing a share at our Christian radio station in Evansville. I knew we needed to change our previously planned program. And within two hours, after the second plane hit the second tower in New York, we had a new program up on satellite, Hope on the Air. In a moment, we're going to hear some 9-11 stories, including the one about Todd Beamer and his colleagues on United Flight 93. But first, I wonder if you can remember where you were when the world stopped turning. Alan Jackson opens this haven today. Where were you when the world stopped turning On that September day Were you in the yard With your wife and children Or working on some stage in L.A. Did you stand there in shock At the sight of that black smoke Rising against that blue sky Did you shout out in anger And fear for your neighbor Or did you just sit down and cry Did you weep for the children who lost their dear loved ones pray for the ones who don't know Did you rejoice for the people who walked from the rubble and sob for the ones left below Did you burst out with pride for the red, white and blue and the heroes who died just doing what they do Did you look up to heaven for some kind of answer And look at yourself and what really matters 
I'm just a singer of simple songs I'm not a real political man I watch CNN but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran But I know Jesus and I talk to God And I remember this from when I was young Faith, hope, and love are some good things He gave us And the greatest is love I'm just a singer of simple songs I'm not a real political man I watch CNN But I'm not sure I can tell you The difference in our rock and our red But I know Jesus and I talk to God And I remember this from when I was young Faith, hope, and love are some good things He gave us And the greatest is love And the greatest is love And the greatest is love Where were you when the world stopped turning On that September day? A sobering reminder, the events of 9-11 by professing Christian Alan Jackson. Where were you when the world stopped turning? I'm Charles Morris here on Haven Today. In a moment, we're going to two people who were in New York City the day the Twin Towers were attacked. But let's continue with Todd Beamer's story for now. And as I said earlier, after the terrorists took over the cockpit of Flight 93, Todd got on his cell phone with Verizon operator Lisa Jefferson. He wasn't sure if he'd see his wife Lisa or their children again. Lisa, the phone operator, shared the story with CBS News just 10 days after the attack. When I took the call over, there was a soft-spoken, calm gentleman on the other end. He told me that there's three people that have taken over the flight. At that point, I asked him his name. He told me, Todd Beamer. He was from Cranberry, New Jersey. When he wanted to pray, was your sense then that, that he knew that? Yes, I did. I felt that he knew at that time because he had said, oh, Jesus, help us. And then he said, Lisa, would you recite the Lord's Prayer with me? And I knew that he knew at that time that it wasn't much left for him to do. What do you think that um, this country needs to know about the men and women who were on board Flight 93? They're all heroes in my eyes. They really are. They all pitched together, and they did what they thought was the best thing to do at that time. And um, I feel that Todd played a great role in that because when he told the guys, are you ready, I assumed that they were waiting on his cue. Then they responded to him, and he said, okay, let's roll. And would you please help me welcome his wife, Lisa Beamer, here tonight. She called me that Saturday morning. I told her, I said, you have two boys, David and Andrew? She said, yes, yes, I do. I said, you're expecting your third child? She said, yes, he told you all of that. I said, yes, he did. And he wanted me to let you know that he loved you and his family very much. And I gave her a message and kept my promise. What an incredible story. Even 20 years later, it still moves you. 
And who can imagine what Todd Beamer's wife Lisa was going through? As Lisa Beamer thought about all that had happened, she struggled with something. Maybe it's something that you've struggled with as well. How can God be truly good? How can he be all-powerful if there's so much pain in the world? Well, in 2016, a chapel address at she and Todd's alma mater, Wheaton College, Lisa shared the answer she discovered to that question. How am I to respond? This is the only answer that I've come to. It's faith. Faith to believe that we humans are both sheep and grasshoppers, that we are loved and we are used. God does know every hair in our head and did knit us together in our mother's womb, and redemption is a personal story. But at the same time, the holiness and omniscience of God is simply otherworldly, and his system is entirely incomprehensible to me as a creation. It's in the more than we can ask or imagine territory, but still wholly certain and ultimately the very definition of good. This truthful balance keeps me from selfish assumptions that God follows my small agenda or from laissez-faire feelings of uselessness or hopelessness. Peace and gratitude flow from here. The tension, at least for me, needs constant tending, but I've actually grown to love it. His faithful revelations have better equipped me to trust him and to obey him, even in my feebleness. I can't begin to predict what the next 25 years will hold for you, or for me, or for any of my classmates celebrating our 25th reunion this weekend. There will surely be great joys and great sorrows, days of peace and days of turmoil, long lives and lives cut short, clear paths and murky journeys. In fact, most of us will know all of these extremes, and all of us will be called to minister to people whose stories run the gamut. But we need not be anxious, and we cannot be proud. We can only be confident in our certainty that we have given ourselves to a God whose promises are pure. Like silver refined in a furnace purified seven times over. A God who can tolerate our questions, who is strong in our weakness, and who inexplicably and eternally bridges the gap between human and divine with unfailing love. At age 32, I never expected to be choosing words from my husband's headstone. But when it came time, the decision wasn't hard. These are some of Todd's favorite words. And as I now see, a simple recipe for a hopeful, purposeful life. One that recognizes the integrity of the precious lamb and the humble grasshopper. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Thank you. Lisa Beamer, sharing how the Lord saw her through the most difficult time of her life. If you'd like to learn more or refresh your memory about Todd and Lisa Beamer, we have the book called Let's Roll, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Courage, for your gift to the ministry. And as we pass through this milestone, take the time to remember the courage found on that day. I know you'll find the same courage today 
as we keep our eyes on Jesus, just like Todd Beamer did in his final moments of life. Our number to call after the program is 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or make a gift to the ministry on our website, but ask for Let's Roll. Just visit haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Now let's go to New York City today. Let's meet up with a friend of mine who's a pastor there in lower Manhattan. Medical doctor turned pastor Stephen Coe was in the greater New York area when the towers fell. Stephen, I want to welcome you back to the program. Well, thanks, Charles, for having me once again. Absolutely. And this week is really special And we all can think back to what we were doing on 9-11. Why don't you tell us what you were doing, what you saw on 9-11? On that fateful day, Charles, I was in a condominium in New Jersey overlooking the Hudson River in lower Manhattan. And I remember hearing sirens and commotion, which prodded me to gaze out the window and see billowing clouds of smoke hover over only one of the twin towers, the other gone. And as I turned on the TV to live coverage, it was surreal to see with my own eyes what was happening on the big screen. Mm. As the newscasters reported on the heartbreaking scene, I kept scanning back and forth through the windows. And then in an instant, that second tower fell. It was really a sickening feeling as I considered Mm. all the people who perished at that moment in time. Mm. And Stephen... (laughs) You're now pastoring in a church in Manhattan, blocks away from where those two Twin Towers once stood. How do some of your folks remember it as well? You know, Charles, what happened after 9-11 in New York City was really inspiring. New Yorkers came together in solidarity and rebuilt the tower just as the Israelites rebuilt the Temple of God. It was a time marked by humility so contrary to the typical demeanor of Wall Street. Mm. New York Chinese Alliance Church became a place of refuge for Christians and non-Christians. Strangers would stop by and ask if they could pray in our sanctuary. Everyone Mm. seemed to want to commune with God. You know, it's ironic because of what's going on in the nation today, but policemen and firemen became kindred spirits New Yorkers took every opportunity to thank them for their sacrifice and service. And random acts of kindness and generosity characterized the city known more for selfishness and greed. (laughs) Secondarily, the tragedy cultivated a desire for fellowship among all New Yorkers. Everyone was convicted to spend more time with family, friends, and neighbors, sometimes complete strangers. Our congregants at NYCAC cherish their time together even more, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And there was a keen desire to share the love of Christ with everyone, both near and far. I suppose that's what happens in the face of acute tragedy. Mm -hmm. Stephen Coe, pastor right next to the former World Trade Center, now the Freedom Tower. Thank you for sharing with us again today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Charles. Pastor Coe was in the New York City metro area on the New Jersey side when the towers fell. 
That's physically closer than most of us were to that terrible tragedy. But Lolita Jackson was even closer. She was in one of the towers themselves. I was working for Morgan Stanley and had been at that time since 1992. So I was also working there when the bomb hit the buildings in 1993. So mm-hmm. that sort of sets up the story. So you'd been through this once, you thought. Yes. Okay. Um, in fact, most of the people I was there with that day had been through it, which probably actually save our, saved our lives. Mm. My department had a standing staff meeting every Tuesday morning at 830. So mm-hmm. we were all together in the same room. In fact, some people had flown in from other places in the country for that particular meeting. So there were people with us who actually didn't even work in the buildings, probably about 20 of us together. It was my turn to speak next at the meeting, and I'm not a morning person. (laughs) So I was sitting there staring at my coffee, and then I was staring out the window daydreaming because it was such a beautiful, gorgeous day, as you often hear. The sun was shining, yes. It was beautiful, not a cloud in the sky, the bluest sky you could ever see. And I was staring at the other building, and I happened to be looking at the other building at the moment it got hit by the plane. The way the buildings were situated, I could not see the plane, and I know that was God's grace to not see how large the plane was. Mm-hmm. But I did see the other half of the building, which was um, impacted by the plane, obviously, and the explosion out of the fire. Yes. And then the, the papers dribbling down from the building. Obviously, we realized something major had happened, but we thought maybe it was just a prop plane. We just had no mm-hmm. idea how large the plane was. Always those little planes flying around the World right. Trade Center in the old days. and exactly. Right. Statue of Liberty. Sure. So we thought maybe it was an accident, but then... The fire was so big, it just we didn't really know what was going on. And because we'd all been there in 93, my boss turned around and looked, and he said, it's time to go. Wow. That's all he said, it's time to go. And Morgan Stanley was the biggest employer in the World Trade Center, right? Yes, we had almost 20 floors of the South Tower and almost the entire number 5 building. So I took the elevator down with everyone else, mm-hmm. and uh, we were on that floor when we got hit by the airplane. And when we got hit by the airplane, we were on a floor with no windows, or the windows were so narrow you couldn't see them. So God shielded us from seeing the plane coming toward us, for mm-hmm. one. And number two, we really didn't know what happened to us. But the building moved about five feet. It didn't mm-hmm. shake. It just moved. And it felt like it was falling over. So for me at that moment, I said, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Just you felt like you mm-hmm. were about to be killed. God overwhelmed me with a sense of peace. And for the first time mm-hmm. in my life, I said, if I die right now, I'm going to be okay. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to go to heaven. I'd never viscerally felt that before. For a reason, too. I felt burdened by that because, when, especially because my friend died and I was mm. the last person who saw him alive. So I was struggling with, God, why did you keep me here? Why have you saved me through this twice? What lessons, Lolita, can all of us learn, whether we live in Wichita or, or Hoboken or L.A.? Uh, what are the lessons that any of us can take from that that you went through? Even if you go through suffering to a point that you feel you can't, tolerate it anymore, that God is with you through all of that. And he puts you through that Mm. to draw you closer to him. There's a line in the Psalms that I just really turn to after 9-11, and weeping may endure for night, but joy will come in the morning. And I've had some weeping in my life, both in my early uh, life where it lasted for a number of years and through the 9-11 experience where it was very immediate. But God is always lifting me up through those experiences. And I'm a much better person for them because it actually helped me as a deaconess to have gone through all of those things mm-hmm. to be able to help the people in need and be able to, to minister to them and say, you know, God is with you through all of this and you're going through this um, for his reason and during his season, but you're going to come out so much closer to him and so much more appreciative and blessed by uh, what he can do in your life. You're listening to Haven Today. And that was Lolita Jackson sharing how she made it out of the Twin Towers alive on 9-11. 
20 years ago this coming Saturday. It was a tragedy of international proportion, a traumatic experience for everyone, and it has so deeply shaped our world today. But out of the tragedy, we learn the story of the heroes of Flight 93 departing from Newark, heading to San Francisco. And by the time Flight 93 was reaching cruising altitude, the South Tower had already been hit. A few minutes later, the North Tower was hit. The Pentagon soon to follow. The crew had received a message at 9.24 a.m. Eastern Time. Beware any cockpit intrusions. Two planes have crashed into the World Trade Center. By 9.28, Flight 93 was in Al-Qaeda's hands, heading to Washington. The passengers were frightened, and they began calling their families by cell phone. You could do that then. I couldn't imagine. I shared at the beginning of our program how Tom Burnett, a Californian, called his wife Dina. She told him about the Twin Towers, the Pentagon, and that's when he realized he was on a suicide mission. They had to do something. These terrorists were going to hurt a lot of people. Other passengers made calls, too. The last message we have from these calls is stunning. Psalm 23, recited by the passengers. Getting ready to make a sacrifice for the sake of others. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And then a voice identified as Todd Beamer. You ready? Let's roll. It's difficult to describe just what took place after that. But we know one thing. An act of heroism took place on that plane. A valiant act of courage not to save themselves, but to save others. The Lord was giving them strength. In the midst of the most fearful event of their lives, they turned to the one who had the words of eternal life, the Good Shepherd, Great Shepherd. Christ, too, entered into the fray to save. The Word became flesh. He dwelt among us and eventually triumphed in his conflict with sin and Satan on the cross. Sin has hijacked our world. Christ's death took the cockpit back. And for us, those of us who look to him in faith, we know he's leading us faithfully to the end. His sacrifice redeems us beyond the grave. I asked you, where were you on 9-11? But for Christians, the question really now is, where are you going? And in Christ Jesus, we're heading for a glorious day when suffering and sin and terror attacks will be no more. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still
shepherd I shall not want. What a hard haven today for us to do today. But what a fitting song with the words of Psalm 23, sung for us by Keith Green. Before we go, I want to remind you about the special 20th anniversary book by Lisa Beamer called Let's Roll, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Courage. You heard a little today about how Lisa's husband, Todd, was on that United Flight 93 when terrorists took over the cockpit. They knew what had happened in New York and Washington and decided that they would not be a part of it. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of Christian heroes like Todd Beamer. And I know you'll find great hope as you read about his life. So for your gift right now, today, to Haven Today, I want to send you Let's Roll by Lisa Beamer. The number to call right now is 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to our website right now and read more about Let's Roll. And then you can make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow on this special week of program? On this program that's all about Jesus and is called Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Martin Luther, the great reformer of the church, often said that if he knew Christ was going to return tomorrow, he'd plant a tree. What about you? Most people say they would live large, buy an expensive meal, indulge for one last day before Christ makes all things new. Martin Luther didn't think that way. He believed the Lord had called him to be exactly where he was. He truly understood that verse in Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Christ has already set us free, and that freedom allows us to love him wherever we find ourselves today. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.